son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me want to What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast right here, as always, every month at Wingnuts Bar and Grill in Amherst, 1402 Millersport Highway. We are here, as always. He's Ryan Talbot, and here is the OG himself, Ed, in the house. How are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. So you guys had a little bit of a, a special week here over the last seven days. You had the grand opening of this beautiful new establishment of Wingnuts, and you have a little, you're going to take us into that story a little bit. Yeah, um, first of all, as usual, I'd like to thank God for everything. Thank you guys for the show. But this happened between last week and now as a result of the grand opening. Throughout the week, Alicia and I were doing our normal everyday living. We went to an appointment at a doctor's office in a very large office, and a guy walked in who recognized us and started going from room to room through the whole building saying, do you know who those people are? That's Wingnuts. They're here. Go take a look. This is Wingnuts. And people were coming out of their offices to wave to us and, you know, whatever. I mean, we were just like, holy cow, right? Well, we left, went to the pharmacy to get a script filled, and the guy behind the counter is telling one of the new people, do you know who these people are? This is Wingnuts. Oh, my gosh. And we're just like, holy cow, what is going on here today? So we get home and we live in a large apartment complex and her name is Amy. She is our building manager. She was in her office as we were walking through and other people were in her office talking to her. And the first thing they did is, oh my gosh, Amy, those, that's way nuts. Do you know who those people are? And Amy goes, they live here. <laughs> That is awesome. And you know how big Wingnuts has gotten? I was thinking about this, Ryan, this week when we were um, driving over here tonight. I was listening to Eric Wood's podcast, who if you don't listen to Eric Wood's podcast, I don't know what you're doing. If you're a Bills fan, it is a great listen every week. He had on, since the season ended, Brandon Bean and then Mitch Morse. Now, Mitch Morse has not been to Wingnuts yet, but he, he was asked what his favorite wing joint is. He gave his favorite, but he, then he said... I hear a lot about Wingnuts. So the, the word is getting around. Even if people haven't been here, it's on their to-do list, which I think is, it means you're in the big time. We found out that when 
Buffalo beat Kansas City at the end of the regular season as they were flying home. Demar Hamlin and two other Bills called a 300 wing order in from the airplane. Wow. <laughs> I know. Who knew? That's awesome. Ed, thank you so much for your hospitality, my friend. We appreciate you. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. You guys are awesome. All right. Give it up for Ed. None of these wings would be out here without him and Alicia. Now, Ryan, we got a, a show to get into here, and it's been a little bit of a weird week for me. I've been off this week, yeah. so it's been a lot of, uh, you know, R&R, &R, if you will, kind of getting myself rested up for, for, you know, from the season. But now we start to look ahead, and it's going to be, of course, the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about that coming up here in eight days. But then after that, it's going to be how are the Bills going to start to change things over on this roster. And I think the thing that's been in the in the news the last couple of days out at the Pro Bowl has been Stefan Diggs, once again, who's had plenty of comments. But the more you kind of dig into what he's actually saying, I think it's more of the same. I don't know if he's actually saying a whole lot of anything and people are kind of running with it, maybe overreacting to it a little bit. Definitely overreacting to everything that Stefan Diggs has said, Matt, but I, I just really feel like we could avoid a lot of this if he just kind of came out and said, yeah, season ended in a disappointing way, uh, but I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about 2024. Something simple to the point. Instead of the mysterious and vague responses that we get, because like you said, now we have another offseason where there's going to be a lot of speculation about Stefan Diggs. The thing with Diggs is... I think part of that, I don't know if it's necessarily a selfish thing by design, but I think he doesn't want to invite people into the personal side of the situation here, whether it be his relationship with Josh Allen. That was something that was under the microscope so much in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. I don't think he wants to invite people into that, and I think it comes off of as, okay, maybe there's a problem brewing, but I could say this. you know, We're in the building every week. We're watching the practices. I don't think it's a situation where there's any problem between the two of them, and there wasn't down the stretch. And if anything, I thought that Josh Allen had the kind of season that if you're Stephon Diggs and you take a step back after the end of the year, you probably say, man, I am, I'm hooking my wagon to this thing for as long as it's got wheels because Josh Allen has been so good. There's only one quarterback in the league that I think you can make an argument to take over Josh Allen. That's Patrick Mahomes, and he's playing in the Super Bowl next week. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I mean – you look at the situations across the league, and I don't think that Stefan Diggs could pinpoint another team minus Mahomes and the Chiefs where he can say, I'm in a better situation than that. So Josh Allen leading the league in total touchdowns, having a full offseason this, this year with Joe Brady being able to craft his offense, figure out ways to get Diggs more involved because that's the one thing people kind of forget. He was running Ken Dorsey's offense late in the year. He might have sprinkled a few things of his own in, but now he's going to have a full offseason to say, okay, here's what we're going to do to get Stefan Diggs the ball. Here's what we're going to do to keep, uh, keep as many people happy as possible because there's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. The one thing that I, I don't think we'll ever learn necessarily, but I would have loved to have been in the interview room when Sean McDermott sat down with Joe Brady and talked about, okay, what did you learn over the course of these 10 games that you got a chance to call this offense? What are your plans for changes? And within that conversation, the view or the, the, the future view of what Stefan Diggs is going to be in this offense had to have been discussed. And I wonder what that looks like. And it's going to kind of give way to what I want to talk about a little bit in wide receiver needs for this off, off season. How do you think the Bills view Stefan Diggs now 
after the season that just happened, the regression that we saw towards the end of the season from a production standpoint, how do they view him going into the offseason? Do they still – I know Brandon Bean said they have a wide receiver one, but do you think they view him that way? I do think that they still view Stefan Diggs as a wide receiver one, but I think it's a wide receiver one with a ticking clock. I mean, you look at him age-wise, you look contract structure, uh, and, and you just look at this team as a whole, and you want to get the heir apparent to Stefan Diggs in here sooner rather than later. And I think the Bills are going to have the opportunity to do that this year in the draft. This is a very deep wide receiver draft. Uh, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks, offensive tackles that go early in, in the round. So I think you're going to have a, a one or two really good receivers fall into that range where the Bills can either stay put and pick someone or they can move up a few spots and take someone. We're out here at Wingnuts in Amherst, 1402 Millersport Highway, uh, the new home of Wingnuts. You can also get it out North Buffalo, uh, 700 Military Road, inside Froth Brewing Company. Uh, and right now you can book uh, your own event at Room 40. The room made famous by Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Book your private watch party for the Super Bowl or any other ga gathering right now. Head over to wingnuts.com. Uh, check out all of the details. So I want to talk about, for a minute here, wide receiver archetype, okay? So you, there's, a, there's a few specific archetypes on the roster right now. Stefan Diggs, your traditional boundary uh, separator, what number one caliber wide receiver and Khalil Shakir, while he could play every position, I think where you view him long-term is in the slot, his ability to separate as a route runner. Uh, you have some other fun, young wide receivers, Justin Shorter. He's kind of in the mix. Deontay Hardy. If we're talking about who the bills need to add at wide receiver, and it was kind of a bummer this week because I, I started looking into the senior bowl. We weren't down in mobile. There wasn't a lot of high-octane names competing down in Mobile. There's a couple that should be on people's radar. We're getting into that over the course of the next week. But what is the specific type of receiver the Bills need to target, whether it be in free agency, but really specifically in the draft? You know, you look at the speed of a Deontay Hardy, but the one thing that he was missing is the size. You need someone that's, you know, six feet, a little taller than that, in similar speed. And you know, you look at a Troy Franklin out of Oregon, someone like that that runs a three, uh, four, three, five, uh, someone that can can get deep downfield that can take some of the attention away from Stefan Diggs that could eventually develop into a, a wide receiver one type of player. That's what I think this team needs. They need speed like they have with Hardy. But I think part of Hardy's problem was where do you play him? He doesn't have the typical size that you want. Uh, the durability concerns possibly. So you need someone that has a little bit more to his frame. But I, I just think they need a number two that can develop into a number one, a la like that Franklin, who I think could be available at pick 28. Yeah, I think number one speed. I tweeted this during the, the, the AFC and NFC title games. You got to just go out and find some speed. And it can't just be like blind speed. I mean, you got Hollywood Brown who's kind of bounced around the league. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. It's got to come with the ability to develop as a route runner, somebody that could come in year one. I think of a guy like Jordan Addison, who I think the Bills were pretty high on in the draft process last year. If they can find that kind of player in this year's crop, and we're going to dive a lot more into that, to me, that's the perfect fit. They're going to have to bring in more wide receivers. Ten picks, two wide receivers, I'm in on that. I'm in on that as well, and whether that's you know two draft picks, whether that is – whether that is trading a pick for a 
you know, a wide receiver that's been in this league. I proposed on Twitter earlier this week, Terrace uh, Marshall Jr. He's with the Carolina Panthers. He played at LSU. He knows Joe Brady's offense. Uh, he's played with three different offensive coordinators in three years at Carolina. So needless to say, he, had, he doesn't have a lot to show in his pro career. But in his sophomore season, I think he caught 28 passes. 24 of them went for first downs. He's shown that he has a pretty good speed, pretty good size. And I think just like anything else, whenever you bring up a coordinator or a positional coach, if you can bring someone in that knows their system, it benefits the entire room as a whole. We're right here at 1402 Millersport Highway in Amherst, the new home of Wingnuts, the bar and grill right here. It's also a Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. backers bar. They have an event coming up here in the next uh, few days to kind of open that chapter of the bar as well. <clears throat> The Bills had some big moves over the course of the last week. We talked about Joe Brady already. They made a decision on defensive coordinator as well, promoting Bobby Babbage. And I, I, let's start there because we talk so much about how high we were on Babbage and why we were. Now that he's in place, A, are you surprised that they made that move? And what do you anticipate uh, in terms of the decision of whether or not he's going to call the defense? Not surprised at all based on the move. I thought the writing was on the wall when Eric Washington left to take the Chicago Bears job as defensive coordinator because that was someone that had been with Sean McDermott in Carolina with Buffalo, uh, had the assistant head coach label. And for him to just leave like he did, you thought, well, there's a defensive coordinator spot. And if they're not looking at him seriously, they must already have someone in mind. Right. And Babich at 40 years old, we've talked about, the work he's done with the safeties when he was the safe uh, working with the safeties, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, both had all pro bids, pro bowl bids. Uh, he moves over to linebackers. You know what he did with Matt Milano. I would argue that Tremaine Edmonds best season came with Babich uh, in his final year with the bills. And then uh, you look at what he did this year too. I mean, obviously you can look at Terrell Bernard and the, how great he was. But I'd also say, look at Tyrell Dodson. No one had expectations for Dodson. The way that he coached him up and Dodson went to uh, social media right after that move was made and said, best coach I've ever had, really spoke highly. I think that was a move that was loved within the locker room. The reason why I think that Sean McDermott can rely upon Bobby Babbage to call the plays is because this is a guy that has been on his staff going back to 2017, and he has a fundamental understanding of what they're trying to do in the back seven. And I think that's number one, why he got this job. He's almost like Sean McDermott's protege in a lot of ways. That's where Sean McDermott got his start working as a defensive backs coach. And now that he's in that spot, listen, he has a proven track record of developing players, which he's going to be asked to continue to do. He's going to have to empower, you know, all of the coaches on his coaching staff. I'll be interested to see what happens with John Butler. We'll get into that more as we get closer to the combine, but Another coach on the defensive staff, there's two more moves made, and I want to talk about the offense a little bit, but let's talk about these two um, line, uh, position coaches. Let's start with Marcus West, because I have some thoughts on this, because I didn't think they were going to stay internal. I thought they were going to look outside of the organization to bring in a new defensive line coach with you know, a guy in Eric Washington for as good of a season as they had when they needed them the most. They kind of that, that group disappeared, and we talked to Sean McDermott quite a bit about it. But the more I started thinking about that, I don't know how much that is on the coach as it is on the players. And, you know, you look at Chris Jones in Kansas City on one leg for half of that game last week. 
finding a way to make plays to send his team on to the next level. To me, I think Ed Oliver's got to wear a little bit of this. We were very, we, we offered a lot of praise for Ed Oliver. This is a pro Ed Oliver podcast in the Shout podcast. But in the biggest moments, whether or not he was kind of tired and maybe gassed out a little bit, he didn't perform in that big spot. I'm not going to hold that against Eric Washington per se or Marcus West, the new defensive line coach, who I really like and probably should have been a little bit more bullish on the idea of his promotion. When you see him work inside the building, the way that he connects with guys, guys like Shaq Lawson, who have been in the league for, I think, like a decade now. I mean, yeah. he has been in the NFL for a while. To get that kind of energy out of a 10-year bet, to me, says he is a young guy. He brings a little bit of juice. He brings a little bit of a fresh perspective. The more I sat with this, the more I like to hire. And whether you're talking West or Washington, Matt, you just said it. How do you blame them for underperforming, you know, the players underperforming in the game? Because do they get credit for the week before in Pittsburgh where Ed Oliver had 10 pressures in a game? You, you can't just pick and choose in terms of when to blame coaches or credit coaches. And you're right. I mean, it, it comes down to players making plays. Marcus West, uh, been with the team for a few years now, assistant defensive line coach, former player, offseason, uh, one year with the Colts. NFL Europe, CFL, so he's played a little bit. Uh, mind you, not a long NFL career or anything like that, but something that players can respect and relate to. I like the move. I, I think that uh, this defensive line performed well this season in terms of sacks, in terms of run defense, and West deserves his flowers for that a little bit too. With Washington leaving, it kind of just made a lot of sense. And the Bills have their next defensive coordinator if Bobby Babbage ever does get hired as a head coach somewhere because – I think that's a, a worry that some Bills yeah. fans are having. I mean, you're going to start to see some churn on both sides of the ball in that position the more years of success that they have. But when they brought in Al Holcomb last last offseason, to me, it was a, a an assistant, a senior assistant that was going to have the opportunity to grow in different roles. He was the obvious choice to be the linebackers coach. And I think that a guy that has defensive coordinator experience is kind of the guy in waiting now and everything I heard in that linebackers room from Dotson to Bernard all the way down to Balin Specter and beyond Dorian Williams, they were really high also on Al Holcomb and what he brought to the defense. Yeah, and Holcomb, like you said, great selection. Uh, linebackers coach previously in Carolina in Sean, on Sean McDermott's staff when he was the D.C. there. Uh, I believe D.C. as well with the Arizona Cardinals. Some linebacker coach experience. So brings a ton of experience already on this defense in terms of the uh, title he had one year ago, so I, I like that move as well. Obviously, the Bills did interview some other people for defensive coordinator that I thought maybe could be in play for that linebackers coach. But when you have Al Holcomb already on your roster or on your coaching staff, makes a lot of sense to kind of stick with him and give him the reins. Caldwell, was that the one you liked? What's that? Caldwell, was that the one that you liked? Yeah, I, I like him because he had... Yeah, Caldwell had some experience <laughs> as a linebackers coach as well, so I thought that he would have made sense too. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. 
Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT. S-H-O-U-T for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, we're, uh, like we mentioned, out here at Wingnuts. Over 200 people watching right now, or close to 200 people. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as well. Over 10,000 subscribers to shout it's been such an awesome year all right i want to kind of veer off course a little bit here and talk about the way bills fans are viewing the super bowl because i've spent a lot of time over the last week listening to a lot of people pour out their souls about their all their feelings friends and family about what's occurred with the bills over the last two weeks and you're left here trying to figure out what your rooting interest is on Sunday. And I think most people are thinking anybody but the Chiefs. What is your perspective on that and, and everything that you've heard and how Bills fans are kind of approaching this game? Yeah, most Bills fans that I've talked to, same approach, Matt, in terms of they don't want to see the Chiefs win again. It's, it's very similar to what happened years ago with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. You see the come up. You see the winning. The first year, it's fine. The second time, okay. Then you start getting sick of it, and this Chiefs team has made a living making it to at least the AFC title game year in and year out, and, and now the Super Bowl too. So there, there's definitely a lot of fans that are kind of sick of the Chiefs. I, I think that there's also some fans that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, rub them the wrong way. Their comments, what they do pregame, uh, like what we saw in Baltimore. There's an air of arrogance, I think. But listen, when you've been dominating the AFC the way they have, why wouldn't you be arrogant? Listen, I had no problem with throwing a kicker stuff out of the way. Okay, I know my takes on special teams have been well documented on this show. And whenever you want to kind of, you know, big time a kicker or a punter, listen, Pat McAfee is living the life right now. He is living large. He is doing it. So, listen, we don't have to take care of specialists any more than we already are and giving them the kind of shine that we are. Um, so I had this argument with Caitlin. Um, over the last week, watching some of the uh, the playoff games, she's talking about how much she hates Patrick Mahomes, and she's obviously a hardcore Bills fan. She's not listening to me right now because she hasn't even like turned around or even no uh, dirty look, not at all. And so we've been talking. Actually, honey, come up here. Yeah, real quick, real quick. So. So we need your perspective. We've been having this conversation in our living room, and we're going to bring it to the podcast. Why do Bills fans – all right, get your minds out of the gutter. Um, well, I hear a lot of – ooh, sorry about that. So we were having this conversation about the Chiefs, and you were trying to explain to me why Bills fans are so frustrated with the Chiefs, and I kind of pushed back, and I was like, I don't really get the hate of the Chiefs. Like I, I understood it back in the day with the with with the Patriots and Tom Brady, who came out 
and was overtly negative towards Buffalo, right? He would come out and say, the, the hotels are crappy, Buffalo stinks. Patrick Mahomes said that Bill's Mafia is amazing. Bill's Mafia is off. Travis Kelsey says the same thing. His brother came and partied with Bill's Mafia. So where is the hatred for the Chiefs in, in the same realm with, with the Patriots? Explain this to me. Well, I think there's part of it that is your just your pride of the team. It's the same thing as the Patriots. So it's just another like looking at a dynasty that's going to continue to be our like Goliath to have to beat them. That's really hard to stomach and root for them. Like I can't do it. But even if they're like good guys and they're nice enough, it doesn't matter how good they are. If you're truly a competitor, you just don't want them to keep winning when, especially for Josh Allen, like we all consider him the greatest quarterback and we want him to be one of the all-time greats but if Patrick Mahomes keeps winning Super Bowls and Josh Allen can't it just diminishes Josh Allen's legacy if that makes I think that's what part of it is wow you're bringing it out here you're dunking on me on my own show that's really good stuff here's the thing though here's my one pushback and I'll and I'll get your takeaway on this as well is that if I'm a Bills fan right I want to be the one to dethrone the Chiefs. Now, in the Super Bowl, it's a little bit different. We were having this conversation more about the Ravens, right? Like, I'd rather the Chiefs beat the Ravens and, and the Ravens not be the team that gets over on the Chiefs. I want the Bills to get over on the Chiefs if I'm a Bills fan. No? But now, in the Super Bowl, I get wanting Brock Purdy to go uh, Mr. Irrelevant all over their behinds. But I think it just keeps coming back to like, okay, so Brock Purdy wins one. It's better than Patrick Mahomes winning five before Josh Allen has. I mean, I know this would be three, but you're giving him the next three no, Super Bowls. I no, I'm not. I'm just saying it's better than him making more progress and adding more. Give somebody else one more before we give him additional ones that just continues to take from us. So I don't know. I know the argument, like your uncle Tony's argument, like root for the AFC. I don't. I can't do that. Give it up for uh, my wife Caitlin coming on. I, we did not prepare this. She came on. We've been having this conversation in the living room. And I said, listen, let's bring this to the show. Let's give it to the people, right? Your so, thoughts? Well, I, no, I agree with where she's coming from. All that right, perspective, Brian. Matt. All right, you're done. Get we, out of we here, We do too. have a super chat I saw in there. I, I okay, can't yeah, see it, so you're going to have to scroll up there. But Well, give us your thoughts while I'm looking. No, for well, it. I agree. I mean, listen, you, you see these dynasties. You see these quarterbacks, the way that they're kind of uh, running the show in, in the league, like Brady did, like Mahomes has. As a Bills fan, you don't want to see those quarterbacks keep stockpiling those accolades, so to speak. So I do understand her perspective completely. All right. We got a super chat from Carl Tommen over on YouTube. Thank you, Carl. Will Brandon Bean pick two high wide receivers, new wide receiver room, Diggs, Shakir, Shorter, Isabella, Keon Coleman from Florida State, and a first uh, or in a mid rounder, maybe Xavier Worthy out of Texas. I do think the Bills are going to go with two wide receivers. Where they get them is obviously up for debate, but I think targeting a wide receiver in the first 60 picks is really important. I don't even think you have to come away with it in the first round. You have one guy that you were watching in the senior bowl, and this might be a good pivot to Carl's point. One, one position that I think they could go in a different direction that I think historically they have proven to do in the draft that is safety, and there was one guy in the Senior Bowl that you were looking at. Yeah, Cameron Kitchens, Miami, really good safety. Really, it's a pretty strong safety class, but uh, he is someone that I think would come right in, 
be one of those players that could be a cornerstone franchise type of player for you. Now, is that with the direction the Bills want to go? Uh, I would argue that if you're going defense, you might want to go defensive tackle before that because you only have Ed Oliver under contract in, in 2024. But yeah, uh, I think there are some safeties in this draft class that you could get with your first one of your first three picks, and you could arguably get them on the field as a starter in year one. All right, Dad, come here a second. Come on in here. I want you to show off the uh, thing. Get right in the middle. It's a family night here at the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. All right. So Uncle Tony's going to be watching this episode, most likely. He yeah, he will. He, he, oh, no, he, he listens. Uh, I'm probably, probably sleeping by now. He's probably all right. sleeping. All right, all so right. tell everybody what you got me. All right, so I went to – Uncle Tony says you got to go with the old Buffalo, you know. So you go with the old Buffalo, the standing Buffalo. That's very important. Okay, the old standing Buffalo. And then, God forbid we don't see the faces of uh, Curly and Larry here. So, uh, yeah. You, you, you gotta make sure you get those up there as well. So he had these made uh, personally to bring out to the show tonight. This is for my uncle. Everybody's met Tony, but they haven't met Big Al. Everybody asked me where I get my hair from, and I gotta tell you right now, I think it's this guy right here. You still got it going. I was. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. I I have no color left, but you know, at least I have some hair. That's, that's important. Can we get a little personal here? That's important. A little personal here. Let's get crazy. Don't get crazy on okay. me, okay? So listen, I was telling him for years. I was telling him for years. Cut it out with the uh, the hair coloring, and this is what happened because you're using that hair coloring. You didn't want to let it go, and so listen, dads have to teach their sons valuable lessons, and you taught me one. I'm gonna go gray. I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna accept it. Yeah, I know, but you wear a hat more than I did. Right. I never wore a hat. Right. So I still have hair. Okay. You know. Let me ask you one more. It's it's going okay. We'll see. I'm I'm 41, 42 next year. All right, one more quick thing before I let you get out of here. Your biggest bills, why it didn't work this season? Take drop it on us right now. Well, the biggest the biggest thing, the biggest problem that they had is they couldn't take the top off the defense. Okay, they just couldn't get a deep pass. And let's face it, they had their shots and they missed them. Okay, he missed a couple of shots. And that was the bottom line. I mean, the bottom line was the defense didn't show up in the last game. Okay. The offense was there. And let's face it, Kansas City, I don't care what anybody says. I agree with your wife. Okay. We hate Kansas City. All right. We hate them. We don't care about the AFC, Uncle Tony's crap or anything else like that. All right. Bottom line is that's the way it is. We hate Kansas City. Thank you very much. All right, but. All right, good stuff. Give it up for Big Al. Give it up for Big Al. All right, get on in here, Ryan. Get on in here, Ryan. Dropping hot takes. Um, your thoughts on Big Al's take? The, the no. anti-Kansas City thing. It, it's it's a thing. It's a movement. It, it's definitely a thing. I like his take about take not being able to take the top off of a defense. Uh, I think injuries too late in the season. Bad luck with those injuries against Miami and Pittsburgh also led to the end of their season in Kansas City. All right, if you're watching on YouTube right now, thank you so much. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. Before we get out of here, we got to talk a little bit about this Super Bowl. Coming up in a little bit over a week, it is the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. And I think the, the best thing for the 49ers going for them is that they're healthy. I mean, Debo Samuel looked like he was okay last week at the NFC Championship game. This is a challenge for the Kansas City defense that I don't think that they've faced outside of the Bills, who, to my dad's point, couldn't get it going down the field, which is what I think they can do. 
Brandon Ayuk is a real weapon down the field, somebody I think the Bills would love in their offense. They can lean on Christian McCaffrey in the run game, Debo Samuel in that area as well. And then, oh, by the way, they have a top-tier tight end. There's a lot of weapons to attack this really good Kansas City defense. There's a ton of weapons, Matt. But for me, it comes down to can Brock Purdy manage this game, not turn over the ball. So wait a second. Are we in agreement that Brock Purdy is a game manager? He's not played very game manager-like over the last two weeks. I think he's maybe changed that perception with the way that he's played over the last two, two weeks, or hasn't he to you? I think he's been better using his legs. I think he's made some plays, but I also think there's been four or five interceptions that have just been yeah. dropped by the opposing team. Uh, one that went off of a face mask for uh, a catch. I thought there were two or three, actually, in the Green Bay game. I thought Green Bay should have won that matchup. Uh, I think that Purdy's been very lucky in terms of the interceptable passes. And uh, against Kansas City, I don't know that, that luck, I guess I would call it, will continue. I really like the defensive line for the 49ers in this Nick Bosa, um, Chase Young to really affect Patrick Mahomes. On the outside, to me, that is where you have to get it done. The Bills couldn't do that a couple weeks ago. You know, you look at the edge rushers. Leonard Floyd had this great first season. He disappeared in the playoffs. I think a lot of that has been the, the injury and whatever the case may be. But I think the, the 49ers with some really good players in the interior as well, Javon Hargrove, there's some your, the ability to get pressure on Mahomes, potentially sack Mahomes, could be a game changer in a game like this. I'm picking the 49ers. I got the 49ers winning probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 28-21. I think we see the version of the Chiefs offense that really struggled to score points down the stretch of the season. The one thing I'll say about Nick Bosa is it was a very funny line, but I think it also put the officials on notice where he was asked about the tackles for the Chiefs, and he says, well, they hold a lot. So to kind of come out and say, you know, we're well aware of this. It's not getting called. Put it on the radar. Make sure people know that Bosa's been on record saying that. I have the Chiefs winning this one, though. I have Kansas City oh, winning 34-24. I do not trust Brock Purdy. Listen, listen. You're not able to read the room, okay? Everybody wanted the, the the 49ers pick, man. You had to come through with that. Listen, Ryan had a really bad season picking. This is this might have been your worst season picking. So I think that's a, a good thing Maybe. for Bills fans hoping the Chiefs lose. Yeah, could could absolutely be a, a good omen for the 49ers. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Shout for Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Shout out to my wife, Caitlin. My dad, uh, Big Al. Uh, it has been another fun time here at Wingnuts. Get out to Wingnuts Bar and Grill. 1402 Millersport Highway in Amherst. Book Room 40. Josh Allen had the line all those months ago, and now it is a real-life thing. You can book your party. Do it for the Super Bowl. There's still openings left to be had. Come out here. It's a great time every time we get together for shot. We'll see you next time, everybody. Take care.